questions and I get open-ended questions like, how did you guys start? <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, let me tell you, do you have the time? <laughs> um, do you have an hour and a half podcast that we can talk to you about? <laughs> exactly right. Yes. There's a lot to life and we're figuring it out because who knows? We don't. I'm Jonah. And I'm Jack. This is the podcast of our crusade to be at least mediocre at everything. All right. Well, today we're going to be talking to Aaron and Alana Dubel. Um, and we're going to be talking about kind of like uh, their quote unquote journey of fertility and starting a family and uh, what it's like as a, a lesbian couple with a cute little baby. Um, and just kind of like their experience with all of that. So yeah. thank you so much for joining us today, you two. Thanks for having us. We're stoked to be here. Yeah. <laughs> so excited to jump into this topic. How about you introduce yourselves? Um, I'm Erin Dubel. So I am married to this lovely woman here. We have our beautiful baby boy, Zev. A little. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, born and raised. I actually haven't ever left Arizona. So that's, that's a fun fact about me. We're very rare, us true native Arizonans. Man, you really put me on the spot there. Hi, um, I'm Ilana Duel, married to this lovely lady, Erin. Also mom to our baby boy, Zev. Um, I didn't know we were doing a fun fact. Um, I threw it in there. I know. Well, I am not from Arizona. I'm not even from the United States. I was actually originally born in Israel. The only other fun thing about me is how obsessed I am with Disney. That's a fantastic fact. I mean, yeah, I could, I, I could spit some, spit some Disney facts. I'm, I'm pretty decent at Disney trivia. That's a good fun fact. <laughs> Grateful that you guys have agreed to be on and, and are willing to share your story. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It's not every day that we get to talk about it and we love to share and educate and spread light to something that, you know, not everybody experiences. You know, starting a family and all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know what that means like <laughs> like to me I, I guess to me and my wife like when we got married that was starting our family mm -hmm. but in your context now or a year ago however long ago um you can give us those details but you know however long ago that was to you starting a family was having a baby um but like you know can you please define what like starting a family like means and meant to you guys yeah, I think that we we've actually have always kind of called each other fa our fa we're a family and we've been that way. I think even before we got married, we would say that because we have a dog, we have a cat. So kind of the same, you know, like getting married really like solidified that family. Um, do you want to add anything? I mean, Zev was like, he's not the last piece of the puzzle, but he definitely like helped bring in a human form to our family. Um, but I think we've always just kind of been not loose with the term, but we've always been so like joined at the hip and, and not that our families are bad or anything, but like, we've always been the ones that we, we go to each other for everything um, and whatnot. So that's what has defined our family from, mm. from pretty much like the beginning, really. Yeah. I think once you realize that like, this is the person that I'm going to spend forever with, like they become your family, but we always knew that we wanted to have kids. We always knew that we wanted to, 
um, be moms. And so that was just kind of a matter of time. Um, and it was nice to, to build our family independent of that and kind of create a really strong foundation for, for our future kids. Um, but we knew like that was the long-term goal for sure. And that you just going into it, you knew, cause you know, I'm 30 now and I'm like trying to decide if I want to have kids or no. And so it sounds like when you got together, you, it was just kind of like a common denominator. I mean, this is what I'm just projecting onto you that I'm thinking is what it was, but like you both knew pretty much right away that this was something you're interested in. So I think um, that the, one of the first things, okay, so I converted to Judaism, um, but I mean, like back from like way back in the day, shout out to Becca Bever. I always wanted to be a Jew, <laughs> like 10. Um, <laughs> so it kind of just worked out luckily, but literally I think like one of the first uh, serious conversations we had was her saying, you know, if we start family, we're raising our kids Jewish. And that mm-hmm. was just like, it wasn't even like, I want to have kids. How many do you want? It was literally like, you know, if we have kids, this is what we're doing. Right. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Obviously I'll learn. I'll I learn I, with I them. I think I gave you a little bit more of an option than that. It was like, this is what I'm doing. And like, <laughs> if you want to join me on this journey, you're more than welcome. I'd love to have you along. But yeah, it was definitely something that was super important for me. Um, Sorry, guys. Oh, you're good. How dare you? Time. <laughs> 7.52 p.m. He was born at 7.52 p.m. Aww. She's had that alarm for six months. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Oh. Um, <laughs> the next question we had um, for you, you know, I know you were saying there were a lot of choices and, you know, opportunities for like lesbi- cis lesbian couples um, for fertility um, through like your research. Um, what were some different choices that you found for starting a family? And I know like foster to adopt, adopt. Um, but did you find like a bunch of different resources as far as like one of you caring biologically or what, what did that, um, kind of look like for you guys? Hmm. So that was like another thing that was kind of hard. I was pretty set on. Um, and so I'm, I'm lucky that I found a partner that was also set on, on kind of the same direction. Um, you know, I really wanted to carry my children biologically. That was super important to me. Um, and I've literally never envisioned myself pregnant. It's just something I've never wanted. It's funny. That's like the, that's like the number one question that we get as like a lesbian couple is like, well, like, Oh, Aaron, are you going to carry the next one? Or, you know, how did you decide who was going to carry the first? And I was like, it wasn't it wasn't an issue. Like I wanted it. She didn't. It was really easy for us. We did get super lucky with that. And like, there are a ton of couples I'm sure that have that same, um, that same feeling. It is cool now in this day and age that like, there are options where I could give her my egg and she could carry. So it's reciprocal IVF Mm -hmm. is what that procedure is. Um, but again, that's not something we want. And and it is pricey. A lot of this, like full disclosure to everybody listening, these, it is, unfortunately, it's very expensive. Um, there are some ways you could get around it not being as expensive, but it is expensive to start a family in a, in a LGBTQ relationship. So I think that is like a big piece of this too, is like, 
is cost, right? So for us, we are lucky that we were able to start a family the way that we wanted and, and cost wasn't prohibitive for us. Um, but in order to, you know, use donor sperm, which is what we did instead of having to use, you know, um, somebody that we knew that's a cost and to get the information that we wanted from a donor sperm bank, that was a cost. And, um, you know, we're very lucky that we didn't have to use IVF. We used um, IUI, which is interuterine inception, which is essentially just a catheter instead of a penis. Um, and a nurse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we didn't do it ourselves. You can also do that, right? We didn't want to. We wanted to go to a doctor. We wanted to make sure that all the parts worked and we weren't going to waste a lot of money on sperm that wasn't going to, you know, wasn't going to stick. Um, so everything is kind of how much are you willing to spend in order to get the vision that you wanted? And we're very lucky that we were able to get the vision that we wanted. Um, but it is, it can be challenging for some families. Some families probably have to make decisions that maybe they don't want because of the money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Such as life. I mean, geez, money definitely dictates a lot of things and I didn't really think of it. I mean, I have definitely thought of it as something that's restrictive. I have a couple of questions that may or may not be dumb. Um, <laughs> There's so no I, dumb questions. Okay. Mm, I they're going to be pretty dumb, I think. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Uh, <laughs> first, you were saying um, that you might not be able to get some of the information because, or some people might not be able to get some of the information they want from their sperm donor. What do you mean by that? Mm. Yeah, sure. So. Um, so I guess like, it's almost like a getting, it's match.com. <laughs> so <laughs> almost though, almost. So you can sign up for match.com. I don't know if this is true. I've never, literally never used it, but this is kind of the anecdote I've always thought of. You can get like just the basic level for really nothing, but if you want premium and you really want to dig deep and like meet <laughs> these people, you got to buy it and oh. upgrade. And that's what essentially what we had to do. We could look and see these donors just on a free going to the website, scrolling. You can input like brown hair, blue eyes, whatever. You could scroll and see these people. But if you want to know their genetic makeup, if you want to know, um, if you want to hear them speak about themselves or if you want the, oh, wow. the um, kind of like a personality trait that the people at the sperm bank are observing of these people, you have to pay for it. Oh my gosh. Do so they that make them do like an extra added cost? And then they oh. nickel and dime you every single step of the way. So if you want, well, baby photos was included in that like premium package, but if you wanted an adult photo, you have to pay more. Wow. Um, <laughs> you can't just look them up on Facebook or. <laughs> I mean, free. no, that actually would probably be pretty difficult. The thing too, that always gets me. It's not that it makes me angry, but like, I don't know how much sperm donors make, but it can't be that much. Yeah. And I know yeah. that like the one we chose did it because he was a donor baby too. So like he, there are mm. a lot of people who say like, I'm not oh, doing wow. it for the money, but then there are some people I'm sure that do it because they need yeah. the money. Banks are looking for a specific type of person, right? Uh -huh. I mean, you can think about the people that are probably going to be successful as donors and people that won't be successful as donors. Um, and reading the bios was really interesting. You know, one of the reasons, like Aaron said, that we picked the donor that we picked was because 
um, he had been a donor baby himself. And that was important to us because we, we knew that he would understand kind of where our children's heads were um, as they grew up. And then, and, and if they wanted to meet him in the future mm. um, versus we read another profile who we kind of liked initially, but when we read kind of further into his, into his profile, he was doing it at, at, to get um, a down payment on a house, which is totally valid. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not knocking anybody's decisions, but he was younger and I didn't ever want, you know, Zev or our future children to feel like they were um, like a mistake or that the, that they came from anything that wasn't super powerful and special and loved. Um, mm-hmm. So that was something that was important to us based on the, based on the information that we had from each donor. But yeah, it's interesting. It's like every, every decision is almost like a super, super complex decision tree. Um, so when you start the process, it's, well, how do you want to have children, you know, biological, non-biological foster to adopt, adopt. Um, and then if you want to have biological children, okay, who's going to carry. And then once you decide that, okay, so how are you going to pick your, how are you going to pick your sperm? Are you going to use a known donor, like a friend, or are you going to use a, a, bank. And then if you're going to use a bank, then are you going to do it at home? Or are you going to use a doctor? And it's just mm. like super complicated decision tree, um, that ultimately leads to something super beautiful. And you really never think about it again, unless you're explaining it to somebody else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like right now, <laughs> every decision seems like the world's biggest decision. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. Uh, I didn't, I think that's really cool that your donor does it because he like, you know, partly because he was a donor. I think that's really awesome. And I, wow. I never thought yeah. of it like that. And I think that's so great. He's like giving back. Yeah. He's giving back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's full circle. That yeah. is so, that is so awesome. Seriously. And I'm sure, you know, I don't know if I'm like super spiritual or whatever, but you know, that's like a good energy. Yeah. That's a, you know, that's like a cool, that's like a, a nice energy to have, I guess, uh, like you were saying, you know? Yeah. One of the things, um, I guess one of the, one of the decisions on the decision tree is, um, there's like three levels of donation. So you can be known, um, anonymous. And then there's something else. I can't remember what like the title is. Um, but like a known donor is obviously like you have immediate contact. You can, you can talk to them. You can have a conversation with them. And then there are donors where you can't ever have contact with them. And then there's some donors that guarantee at least one contact once the child is 18. Mm. Um, Hmm. And then like what happens from there is like kind of up to the child and and the donor. Um, And so we didn't really want somebody that was going to be involved, obviously. Um, But we did want Zev to have the opportunity if he wanted to, to, to be able to reach out and, and engage um, with his donor. Um, And so that was another piece of why we chose the donor that we chose is because again, like if you're 21, 22 years old, making this decision, um, you know, thank you. But also, mm-hmm. are you going to think about what's going to happen when you have Lord knows how many children, you know, knocking at your door in 15 years when you maybe have your own kid or your own family? Um, whereas obviously this guy has 
thought about that having experienced it himself um, or at least been put in those shoes. So that was, that was something that really drew us to this particular donor. That is something I would have never thought of before. And like I'm adopted, you know, and I was able to, uh, on the off chance, like find my biological family, but I read my adoption records and they were just like, parents said, yeah, you, they can contact me when they're 18. That was never an option. It was weird. So like, that's definitely something that's like really interesting. And then it would have never thought, especially for a donor, because that can be sort of like a really powerful experience. Mm. I mean, I found them on Ancestry, so (laughs) go figure, but that's a big piece of this, right? I mean, like there's so many stories out there about, you know, donor kids finding their 42 <laughs> siblings and it's, it's a big piece of, of this. And as our world gets smaller and information gets bigger, yeah. um, you know, what is that going to look like? And, and so it, it maybe 20 years ago, some random 21 year old kid, I wouldn't be concerned about you know, Zev accidentally finding an entire other side of the family, but I know that that will most likely happen to him in Mm -hmm. today's society. So I want to make sure that it's a a positive experience from him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. And like, not only that, but like the agency's thinking about this. Yeah. Because I, I feel like so often, of course, what we see in like media and movies and all that kind of stuff, I think about Parks and Rec and I think about how Anne is trying to have, like have a baby. And so she goes, you know, and so many other shows and all that kind of stuff, but this is, I'm a person rec guy. So, Mm. um, you know, she, she goes to the sperm bank and then she looks through a binder and all that kind of stuff. And then of course the town sleaze bag is there giving his sample and all that kind of stuff. And that turns her off to this whole thing. So like, it's not like that at all. It's not like, (laughs) or it sounds like your experience, this agency is very thoughtful, very, um, um, you know, like they're, I'm trying to think of the word. Intentional. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. They're very intentional about this process. Um, rather than just saying like, Hey, yo, dude off the street, give you 50 bucks, do it in this cup and whatever happens, happens. Um, and then here you guys are, look through this binder, pick whoever looks good to you. <laughs> they're charging you for everything yeah. that you want to look for. But because of that, they're also giving this person who is donating the option to or i guess the opportunity to think about their decisions further down the line for not only them and their family but this child yeah it's interesting too they give updates so we could contact them and say we've had a confirmed pregnancy with this donor and they will um they'll actually cap it so they'll update that this donor had this confirmed pregnancy. And I think when they, I don't know the exact number, what they reach, but they'll like cut it off if he reaches <laughs> like 250 kids, whatever number they've decided on. You know? Wow. Oh, interesting. I wonder what the number is. Yeah. So it's actually super interesting. Um, Jack, kind of what you were saying, like, there's no federal agency that kind of oversees banks. Um, so each bank is kind of running their own show. Mm-hmm. Um, so each bank has their own limits on, on, you know, a live births, um, or families. So the bank that we use, I think has a limit on, it's either four or five families, mm-hmm. um, but not a limit on kids. 
Oh, I got that wrong. Yeah. Sorry. So theoretically, if four or five families have four or five kids, that's still a lot of siblings. Um, And there's also no limit on like, there's no national registry. So theoretically, this particular donor could donate at three different banks Mm -hmm. and then have four or five different families with four or five different kids at three different banks. It's an interesting um wild wild west where i think like you said we're all kind of just figuring this out and as the world gets bigger it's smaller and information gets bigger i think that things will have to change and adapt um but i do feel like the bank that we used is intentional and thoughtful in their programming and who they get in their program um they've always been incredibly helpful to us when we have questions um you know we're going through the process of getting zev having Aaron adopt Zev and being um, going through this, the process of a second parent adoption just to, um, to be safe. Yeah. To make sure that we have as many legal protections for our family as possible. Um, And we need a letter from the bank and they were very, very helpful in getting that process. They even reached out once and they said, Hey, donor XYZ just donated. And they asked if we wanted to buy some. We have first dibs. Yeah, we have first dibs. Oh, that's cool. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. I definitely want to get into the the adoption, Mm -hmm. too. So, you know, when Zev was born, you were both on the birth certificate. Am I right? But you then you, you you know, you did a a legal adoption as well, just to cover your tush. Well, we, so we actually, this is, this is a big piece of our, um, of our, of our process of, of the pregnancy. Actually, we went to a lawyer, we found a lawyer. Um, gosh, I think it was last January. I think it was January. So about a year ago. And we asked, she was a family lawyer. We said, do I need to do a second parent adoption? It was literally a waste of time. It could have been a phone call. Um, (laughs) but she essentially said no. Hmm. And then here we are in 2020 Hmm. and everything is backwards. And the election happened and, and we just, we, we, we and other LGBTQ families started freaking out and this is just going to protect us. Like, yes, I am on the birth certificate. It does say father, but legally my name is there. I am this kid's mom, Mm -hmm. not the father. Um, but this is just going to add that extra layer of protection. So we technically don't need to do it, but we're anal. Uh, yeah, I would definitely do it too. Also, you're under father. They can't even have an updated birth certificate. Wow. I think, wasn't it Arizona? That it used to say parent one and parent two. So when, when gay marriage was federally legalized, um, and possibly a little bit before then, um, when they started essentially giving second parents the same rights to children there was a supreme court case about it i can't remember exactly when or 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 what the case was but they were saying um if the uh non-biological parent has been involved in the child's life since birth they are uh legally that child's parent um and so they encouraged, I, it sounds like they kind of were like, all right, so states, you have to change your birth certificates, say parent one and parent two, so that it's not gender specific. Um, and Arizona did it for a little bit. And then I guess they were just like, nah, we don't <laughs> want to do that anymore. And so now it go, went, they went back and it says father and mother. But yes. if you get second parent adoption, 
they reissue the birth certificate and the second parent adoption says parent one and parent two. Okay. So they have a birth certificate that is gender neutral, but they just choose not to use it. They just make you classic jump through hoops and go through a legal process. Yeah, exactly. You have to jump through hoops, pay for this shit. Yeah, of course. That's more money. Oh my gosh. That's like I said, it's a big part of family planning when you're, when you're in the LGBT community is how am I going to protect my family from Mm -hmm. who knows what? And it, that typically comes with a lot of money. Zev is the million dollar baby. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. He's totally worth it. Sometimes when he does something cute, she says, I made this. And I say, I bought this. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that goes hand in hand with just the queer tax in general, you know, like uh, queer folks have to pay a lot more money for different stuff and we can get into that for hours but my question for you is where did you start like what's a good source what was like the first source you looked at you know if someone was like where do I even friggin begin because Google's tough and I, I would even go a step further and say specifically for lesbian couples so for us so I think once you once you've made it down that that initial decision tree is how, how am I going Mm -hmm. to start a family? Um, If you go down the biological route, for me, I think the the next step is to get a doctor. um, If you're going to go doctor route. Um, So if you would like to work with a fertility specialist. What do you mean doctor route versus what? So, so you can, you can try and inseminate at home. So sperm banks will ship Uh, you sperm to your doorstep and you can mm. try it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I interrupted. I just no, no, no. That's was... a really good question. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> I guess that's like part two of the decision tree is biological or non-biological, doctor or not doctor. So once you decide to to for us, once we decided, no, we want to be with a doctor. We want to make sure that everything uh, we want to give us ourselves the best chance possible. Um, then finding a good fertility doctor is kind of the first step because he was great and he was incredibly helpful. And then he walked us through the rest of the steps. How did we mm. find him? A friend? Yeah. We got oh, a referral. Yeah. Word of yeah. mouth. From a straight couple. <laughs> yes. Oh. They were through IVF. Oh. But they, I mean, they had nothing but great things to say. And like, we looked them up and um, they walk in the pride parade. And <laughs> this uh-huh. place is literally perfect. They're awesome. Yeah, it's definitely helpful to, you know, have friends who've experienced this too, or experienced, you know, some type of this. Like, I know for some people in the LGBTQ community, the best way to disseminate resources is just by talking about it with your friends, because, you know, there could be a whole bunch of doctors online that state, yeah, we're uh, LGBTQ friendly, but, you know, that's not always the case. And so just, you know, having that friend who refers you is so awesome um and so basically you went to the doctor then the doctor was like look this is what you got to do yeah it was it happened much quicker than i anticipated once Mm -hmm. we met with the doctor like we went we went march of 20 20 2018 yeah we didn't even want to start until is that right 2020 has got my years 
Yeah, time is all messed up. All messed up. But anyway, we started in like March and he was like, okay, we can go and get this started right away. When do you, like we can inseminate you. It was March, 2019. It was 2019. It was after we came back from Disney World. That's right. Disney. Uh. (laughs) The reason why Zev is here is Disney. But it was super quick and we were like, whoa, we are just coming to get information. (laughs) Yeah. Like you guys went to him for information on like how to start the process yeah what do we need to do mm-hmm. how is her body is she even fertile mm-hmm. um so i think yeah i mean i guess gosh everything comes back to money and isn't that just the capitalistic society that we live in um mm-hmm. but because you know for straight couples right you can essentially try and try and try and try and try and there's no risk to that i mean there's an emotional toll don't get me wrong but yeah. there's no there's no um, monetary risk to just trying for a year or for however long you want to try. Um, but when sperm is a thousand dollars a pop, you know, that is a lot of money to just kind of try and try and try, not even knowing if you, if the woman has the parts or it has the hormones or is, is, is ready and, and, and fertile and, and can get pregnant. Mm. Um, so that was kind of the first thing that we wanted to do is knowing that there was going to be um, a monetary risk to this. How do we set ourselves up for success as quick as possible? Um, so we went to talk to a doctor, you know, he has like his basic lab work that he does and blood work and tracking your cycle and um, a couple of different scans. And then once he determines, yeah, I mean, essentially biologically, there's nothing wrong with you. You are just missing another key component to successfully getting pregnant. Um, then we went and we purchased sperm. Um, and then from there on, it was just, all right, every month track your cycle. And then when you're ready to go, come on in and we'll, we'll give Mm. it a shot. Wow. Yeah. We got really lucky this whole entire process. So like, I want to say too, for people, Alana and I are very used to like dating our doctors or our therapists or whoever. (laughs) So like, I know instantly if I'm going to get along with someone. So if we walked in there and we didn't get along, there's no shame in like leaving and trying to find someone else, you know? Yeah. Um, That just makes things a little harder because that was the only place we had a referral, like a recommendation (laughs) to, you know, but luckily it worked out great. Um, But there's, you know, there's always that risk that don't, I would say like, don't stick with something if you just don't feel it in your gut, if it's right. Yeah. Cause that's going to hinder your process too. Yeah. Especially trying to get pregnant. I mean, stress is such a big piece of it and feeling comfortable and being relaxed. I mean, it's a, it's a very different process than just having sex. So you want to feel comfortable in your, in your office. You're, you're there several times a week. Mm. Um, to get blood draws and to get scans and to get ultrasounds. And so you want to feel really comfortable with the person and your provider team, not just the doctor. That's also another big step to like, not to fast forward or anything, but when you look for a pediatrician, you also need to like call them and talk to them and, and like date around with them too. You can't just say like, okay, this pediatrician is right around the corner from my house. This is where my kid's going to go. So. Yeah. Things I never think about for sure. I guess I should think about those things. I I date around for a therapist, but like, I guess thinking about, I think of convenience over everything else first. And maybe that's because like I'm a bachelor, you know, and I don't have a family yet, but, um, 
Yeah. I think that's kind of what you were saying about that queer tax, right? Is like every yeah. time you walk into a new provider, you have to wonder, is this person going to be understanding of my circumstance and be willing to work with me um, and to, and be kind. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think as women, we have that in general. Um, But then, and like, I think everyone should feel comfortable with their providers. Right. And like, whether they believe in your values and your morals and your direction for your, for whatever you're getting treated for. Um, But then there's that added layer of, how do I, how do I protect and how do I make sure that the person that I'm going to be working with and working um, is going to be working for me is going to make sure that they have my family's best interest in, in mind. Yeah. Yes. Very important. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Girls, word of mouth, right? Like just like, these, yes. Word of mouth. hard when you don't have, like, if you don't know anybody that's ever done it and that's mm. when Google can really fail you, but mm-hmm. yeah. Facebook this, groups, this, yeah. Yeah. Oh. The groups are awesome. Yeah. Right. Facebook groups. Uh, talking to actual people yeah. over Google. We've asked you some, probably some questions that you've had time and time again. And I know you said that a number one question you get asked a lot is, um, who decide? How did you decide who wanted to carry? But are there any other like frequently asked questions that you've received from people? I'm. I think I'm out in the in the general population more than she is, and I get open ended questions like, "How did you guys start?" It's <laughs> yeah. like, "Well, let me tell you. Do you have the time? <laughs> um, do you have an hour and a half podcast that we can talk to you about?" <laughs> exactly right. Yes, <laughs> but that is the thing. Is like that's what we're trying to do, right? Is like kind of take those like trying to educate so people don't ask open-ended questions so they actually know to ask like the right stuff um Mm -hmm. but that's my experience is always like how did you do like how did you go about this or or, how you has baby how did you do this (laughs) (laughs) one one big one is like how did you choose the donor that's what i was gonna say Mm. yeah that's a question that's also another hour and a half podcast. I don't think so. No, I mean, I think it's like, it's kind of like dating, right? You have to decide what are your deal breakers? Um, Mm. and then what are you really looking for and what are you willing to compromise on? Um, you know, for us initially I went into it, I'm a very like analytical, logical type A person. And so the very first thing that I was looking for was like, uh, sparkling clean genetic history for medical stuff. And Mm. I was stressing out a lot because obviously that doesn't exist. Um, and a very good friend of mine who, um, both of her parents have a pretty extensive family history of cancer was like, look, when I married my husband, he wasn't like, so tell me about your family history. Right. That's not how you date people. You fall in love and you, and you, and you make do with whatever is going to happen down the line. Um, and that was super eye opening for me because I think when you are, it's sometimes really great, all of the choices that we have, but it can be really exhausting. And like, there's no perfect answer. And when you're dating, you're not like necessarily thinking about what is this, what is this going to genetically mean for my child? Right. Well, if I have this type of personality and this type of personality, what is my child going to, and you don't know, and it's not possible to, to guess or to even assume. So that was really difficult for me to kind of just like 
let go. Mm. Like he's going to be whoever he is going to be, regardless of the genetic history. And I'm a feeler. So once I feel a good connection, then I can make a decision. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, I like this. I got a good vibe. Yeah. yeah. You, you, vibe test. Yeah. So yeah, once we decided that kind of medical history, I mean, it mattered, right? We were, we weren't looking for anything like crazy, mm-hmm. um, but we really wanted the donor to be similar to Erin, right? So to have kind of her lighter hair, darker complexion, although Zev did not get that. (laughs) (laughs) And then just kind of her more easygoing, natural kind of like lightness. Zev got that. Zev Zev definitely got that. that. (laughs) Um, We don't need two type A's trying to have a baby. Like that's, (laughs) nope, that's not good for anybody's anxiety levels. (laughs) We sent my photos into the bank too. Mm -hmm. And they kind of like compared... Oh. face shape and stuff to because they do have the pictures of they know what the donor looks like i mean now they know what he looks like so yeah that was pretty cool too that they were kind of like communicating with us like okay yeah she looks like this one yeah do, do you feel like zev looks like a mix of you two I, you were saying like personality type yeah though. he definitely got like her face shape and her like like well, I don't have lighter hair anymore. It's kind of like darkening up, but yeah, definitely like the hair. He <laughs> in the beginning, he looked like my dad. Yeah, it was You're like, how is this? Uh, <laughs> just like Dave Dubel. And I was like, what? <laughs> so, you know, Zev's here. Zev's so cute. Our question, I guess, would be, you know, how are you planning on supporting Zev as he gets older and may experience maybe some curiosity or, you know, from classmates or, you know, he might have his own curiosities around having like two moms versus a mom and a dad or, you know, versus other types of families. I think for me, like the most important thing about like raising him is normalizing like diversity, right? And so if we can normalize diversity in the books that he reads, in the people that he's around, um, I think that's the most important thing for us, right? And so we want him to know that, right, some some people have a mom and a dad and some people have two moms and some people have two dads and some people live with their grandparents. And um, we have a lot of, we are thoughtful in the, the books that we get him. You know, we've got this really awesome subscription box that like sends like different diversity based books and activities to kids, um, tiny leaders club. And that's super great. Cause I think it's, I think it's important. And, and that's how kids learn, right. They learn through play and they learn through, through stories. Um, and then also understanding that there's nothing wrong with questions. I think, we're creating a society that I think people are afraid that they're going to offend somebody or that they're going to be perceived as racist or homophobic. And so they don't want to ask. But my biggest thing is, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I don't ever get offended educating, right? If you ask an ignorant question, that's not you being an asshole. That's you not knowing. If you then act like an asshole after I educate you, that's a different thing. <laughs> um, but if you're just asking questions because you don't know, that's okay. And I and I really want Zev to be okay educating and okay asking questions. Yeah, I think that we just have created us. We are creating a space where he can feel comfortable coming to us with anything. 
we've also been really lucky, like with where we send him to school, like there are multiple sets of two mommies. Um, I don't know if there's any two daddies, but just a big diverse, like pot of different types of parents. So like, luckily we do have that. And we know that in the future and down the road, like we could be unlucky and we could potentially be the only two mommies, but that's where he's going to come in. Just like what we've done with this whole fertility process is educating. That's kind of where he's going to come in too and be like the, the master of what he knows about his unique and diverse family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, you know, there are some people at his school that you can talk to. Um, you, you refer yourself to yourself as mommies. Um, mm. I hear it a whole bunch of different ways. Is that something, is that a conversation that you guys had or when Zev was born, you're like, okay, this is, you know, like, this is just kind of what's happening or like, how, how was that decision made to have you guys, or I guess like both of you be called mommies? Mama. Yeah. Yeah. That, that like came out with like the, the journey, like the beginning of the journey. It was like, what are we going to call each other? Because <laughs> guys, guys, we have a dog and a cat and we do refer to ourselves <laughs> as mama and mommy when we talk about our animals. Oh, a thousand percent. <laughs> Before Zev was born. Yeah. But we never like, we did kind of play around with it. Yeah, um, we kind of worked on what fit. We tried a couple of different like titles on. Like even before she was pregnant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure realistically, like it doesn't matter what we call each other now or what we call ourselves now. Like he'll come up with whatever he wants to call us. And I'm True. sure that will stick for him and for the rest of the kids. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it's funny on that note, because on the Internet, the lovely place like I have found these communities and I was reading someone's story about how their son couldn't talk and they referred to themselves as like mommy and mama. But one of the um, one of the mommies like called her partner babe all the time. So the kid <laughs> grew up and called the one mommy, mommy, and then the other one, babe. <laughs> yeah. You know, I worked with this family and all the kids called their dad honey. And I thought it was the weirdest thing. And then finally I was doing like assessments with them and I go in and I'm like, dude, why did they call you honey? And he's like, oh, because my wife calls me honey so much. So all the kids call him honey. And I think it's the Aww, cutest thing. That is cute. I can only hope one day my kids will call me honey. That's so sweet. Honestly, Zeph might call you babe because I, I call you babe all the time we gotta well that's that's cool though that y- y- y'all are saying yeah I, you know like zev will call me what yeah, he calls true. me like that's yeah i guess that's what k- kids just do that yeah kids, for now kids aren't i gonna... am mama mm. and she's mommy okay sometimes when you slip up and you're thinking i was gonna say realistically sometimes that mommy. doesn't stick yeah yeah, it's, yeah. It's a clusterfuck yeah. over here. I, we're, we're still figuring it out. He's, he's a boy. You guys are mommies. Like how were you scared when you learned that he was a boy? And like, this is like a totally different world for you guys. No, I, I've always wanted boys. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. It's interesting. Like I, there isn't anything that I'm worried about. I mean, maybe like peeing and masturbating 
not super sure how we're going to handle that. But we also know that we're surrounded by like really amazing men Mm -hmm. um, that if we do have questions, we can always ask or that we know that Zev has amazing men in his life and he can go to them. Um, Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that we would raise a boy or a girl any differently um, in in fundamentals. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there isn't, anything that we would do that would be different for him than we, than we would if, if he was a a boy or if we have a, you know, a girl in the future, um, we'll still want them to take the same risks, to do the same things, to try new things, to, um, you know, be quiet and introspect and introspective and have feelings and share their feelings, which are, I don't know, traditionally feminine roles and, and to take risks and to be loud and to be, um, questioning authority, which are, I guess, traditionally male roles. Um, and there isn't anything that we would really necessarily do different. Um, and as he gets older and has, you know, dating questions or questions that he wants to ask a specific, you know, a, a man, which is valid and fair. Um, we have plenty of really incredible men in his life that I think he will feel comfortable asking those questions to. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Those, you know, gender roles are dead, baby. So yeah. teaching everybody everything, you know, is what's important. So that's beautiful. Yeah. Even, yeah. even with us too. I mean, like her dad asked, um, like who's not, who's going to be the man, but like, Who's going to have that like really rough and fun, like playing I'm over there, like swinging Zev around like does it's, it doesn't have to be a man, it could other. be a mom, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's interesting. There's definitely like that. Like he's like, well, like, um, you know, it's just old school thinking, but you know, he's like, well, you, fathers are, are harsher on their boys and, and play harder and, 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 and mothers are, are more careful and more gentle because of a biological like connection with them or I don't know, whatever, some <laughs> archaic thought that he has. Uh, <laughs> love you dad. Um, but I, and, and that is, true in the sense that Aaron is definitely rougher with him than I am, but that's our personalities. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think that has anything to do with the fact that I carried him and and she didn't. It's just the nature of how we play and the nature of how we interact with the world around us. Um, And again, that wouldn't change if he was a girl or a boy, she would still be tossing him, her, them up in the air. Mm -hmm. um, And I would not. Um, And so I think that that's, it's, irrelevant of their gender, but relevant of who we are as parents. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Snaps to that. Yeah. Mic drop. I I'm think. about to get weepy about that answer. That was good. <laughs> really appreciate y'all answering these questions. And, and I know some of it you get all the time. Some of it you, you know, like this is just me being curious and all, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so seriously, thank you so much for, for opening up about your experience and sharing a little bit more about, you know, your, your family. I guess the last thing, you know, like kind of not, yeah, the last thing that we want to leave our our listeners with is like, what's, what's the one thing that you want them to take away from, Mm. you know, this experience and, you know, maybe what you guys have gone through. Um, I think that there's no wrong way to start a family. Mm -hmm. There's just the way that you, if you're alone or you and your partner want to do it. Um, And then the pieces will come together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that answer. I think for me, 
like kind of what I had said before, like there, there's nothing wrong with asking questions, right? You know, I understand that there's definitely like a piece of like, it's not my responsibility to educate you, but at the same time, like you don't know what you don't know and it's okay. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to be ignorant about things. It's okay to, to be curious. Um, and as long as you're coming from a place of really like genuine kindness and curiosity and wanting to educate and learn, like there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I would hope that, um, whether it's being lesbian, being Jewish, um, having sons, having daughters, um, whatever it is that you do, like, I would hope that you would be okay with people asking questions about you and about your life. And I hope that people would be receptive to hearing that. So that's kind of my thing is it's, it's okay to ask questions, ask those questions, learn, educate yourself, become a better, more well-rounded human being so that our children grow up in a world where people understand each other. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah. I need to take that advice myself because (laughs) I get, I ask so many damn questions, y'all. Like it's annoying probably, but sometimes I get a little touchy if people ask me questions because I'm like, Google exists. <laughs> don't make me do the labor for you, baby. But then I'm over here like, I don't learn from Google. I learn from people telling me their experiences. So yeah, that's really good advice. I'm taking both of those pieces of advice and uh, becoming a better person immediately. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so we like to ask all of our guests this, but what is something that you don't know how to do? but want to learn how to do? I don't know how to code. And I, oh. really, I really want to learn how to code. Like computer. Computer, computer coding. coding. I tried it, um, gosh, like three years ago or something. I tried. I got, I subscribed to this little academy on the internet and it was like super basic and I just, it's very hard, but I want to know how to do it. It's funny, as I was sitting here trying to like spin my wheels, I started out with nothing and now I've got a lot, but I think if I had to like just pick one, I wish it was handy. Mm. I don't know how to do anything when it comes to putting things together, taking things apart, hanging things. Like I, yeah, that's not something that is even in my wheelhouse. I don't understand it. My brain doesn't work that way. And I wish, I wish I could DIY something on Pinterest. Like that sounds cool. Yeah. I mean, be handy is, is helpful, especially as like a homeowner or so that we don't have to rely on people. Um, so thank you. Really appreciate you. You sharing that. It's been a blast. Honestly, like I said, I could, we could both talk about this for, for days and for hours and we want people to, to learn and to, you know, whether it's, they're trying to start a family and they need information or, um, they've never encountered anybody that's trying to start a family like this or has a family like this. Um, and so we're, we're happy to, to educate and to be ambassadors and have conversations. Um, and I'm super excited to listen to whoever else you guys have on this podcast, because I need to learn (laughs) about things that I don't know about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We got some good ones. Yeah. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe and share with your friends. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Who Knows We Don't Pod. You can send us a message uh, with what topics you're interested in hearing more about. And if you want to be a guest on the podcast, we would love to have you on. Please drop us a line. 
Love you, boo-boo. Love you. <laughs>